Welcome to Tech Breakfast, today's top headlines served hot by your host Aaron Bewley and Tyler Gates. So grab your coffee and let's get into it. It's Monday morning. Today is June 15th. We've got Pete Keeler on the show. He's a senior technical marketing architect at VMware. You can find him at vmpete.com or on Twitter at vmpete. That's convenient. Welcome, Pete. Well, thanks, Aaron, and thanks, Tyler. Uh, happy to be here, and uh, of course, being a listener, uh, you know, once you guys uh, sent out the invite, I was more than happy to uh, join you and uh, see if I can add some, something interesting. Hey, we're awesome. pumped to have you. Hey, just give me a long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> give me that. Yeah. Aaron, long-time listener, first-time caller. Yeah. There it is. <laughs> All right, let's get into the news. What you got? All right. So, you know, uh, this first one I ran across actually just this weekend. It looks like it uh, came out on Friday, but uh, there uh, there has been some advances here that almost sort of uh, converge material science and uh, manufacturing science. And uh, what this was, was, was uh, some uh, developments around 3D printing uh, that through some manipulation uh, can change the material properties um, and in this case, you can give give that material a magnetic charge within a very small uh, confine of space. So they're uh, talking about, let's say, for instance, within the uh, 200 microns uh, in size. And this wow. is absolutely fascinating in terms okay. of what it can do and, and how it could change um, uh, manufacturing processes for things like motors. I think that was one of the uh, the examples that they gave in the article and how you could have a stator that was actually not an assembly of um, windings, you know, wire windings, but that you could have oh, yeah. uh, changing magnetic uh, properties right within the material itself. That is That's, wild. This is actually, I'm, I'm scanning through this and it really is fascinating, right? So they're just modulating laser power on a single type of metal powder, which is pretty cool, right? They don't have to change the material that's being used and they can improve impose different properties on it. This actually reminds me of, I want to say it was a Smarter Everyday episode about sort of um, magnetic 3D printing that, that this is a couple years ago. And when they kind of got into the details, they didn't really get into the details of like how they were imposing the, the local magnetics, but they were able to make stuff like switches and lock roofs and other like really neat sort of uh, mechanical capabilities by putting local magnetic fields very accurately into space. This actually sort of is the, something similar, I'm sure, but it explains how they're doing it. And, and it looks like, obviously, it's tiny scale, which is cool. I wonder how it scales up as far as making large parts with uh, local magnetic properties that are really specific. It's freaking cool. That's yeah, one wild. of the things that I, I thought it was interesting uh, too, like many good uh, developments, was this was found on accident. So, uh, <laughs> of course, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that's awesome. That's uh, so cool. In, in other 3D printing news, Tyler, it looks like you dropped in a link in here on 3D printed bones. Oh yeah, so this is this is a neat article from a actually a new source that I started just tracking in general. Um, that always kind of gets into the latest in 3D printing. Not my favorite nude site at all. It tends to be kind of a mess. But, but they have a uh, they had a link today that talked about being able to print in basically bone-like materials, so friendly to the human body, if you will. But then 
precise accuracy for, you know, like replacement parts of bones or replacement bones in human bodies. So think, you know, you had a shattered cheek or jaw, they could actually print replacements. And what right now apparently takes a graph in a lot of places, which is not a very friendly process, I understand. Um, they would be able to sort of scan the zone and then print uh, a perfect fit part that they can, you know, basically pin into into uh, people, which is cool. <laughs> what in the world? Yeah, I'm looking at this. So I'm seeing like cranioplasty molds, right? Which is a little bit what you were just talking about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, hip hip replacement. And then there's a part in here on 3D bioprinting in space. <laughs> I didn't get to that part. <laughs> there's a hyperelastic bone too. So, Working so the materials, bone. they're not really yeah. limited in, in how they print it. And gosh, it looks like one thing was like a, a new wrist, which has all of the metatarsals in that part of the sort of human anatomy and printing it in a different way. I, I don't know. It's, it's actually pretty fascinating. So what you're saying is I don't have to brush my teeth anymore and I can just print new teeth. <laughs> that would actually be pretty awesome. Except I can't That's gross. That brush your teeth. But painful and disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> Russian floss, kids. <laughs> That's right. That's right. All right. What else we got? Better dentures, though. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Uh, what else we got? Man, uh, I saw a couple of neat articles about um, nuclear technology that are that are sort of budding right now one is um i'm looking at looking for the link in the notes but darpa is actually courting so they've got a proposal document out there i guess for flyable nuclear thermal propulsion systems that are set to be ready for actual flight by 2025 um and so i guess this is something that um nasa and and other space exploration companies have dabbled with um because Flyable nuclear propulsion is one of those things where very small fuel sources can provide nearly infinite amounts of energy. I mean, nuclear is incredibly dense in its capability, right, from a, a power propulsion yeah. perspective. But there are obviously a lot of concerns and uh, technical problems to, to overcome. But uh, DARPA, I guess, from a military perspective, they're, uh, they're chasing it. I thought we already solved this with the satellites that capture the sun's um, uh, rays, right. The, the, the heat and mm -hmm. turn it into microwaves and then shoot it at, at drones. I sense energy all is a strong it's looking word, for the right? word energy. So, well, so, so yeah, the, and that, that joke. probably, <laughs> well, no, but it's a good question. Like, why do we need this? If it's more dangerous or more difficult, Cause I think the awesome. answer, the answer is that while solar panels and collecting, sun's energy is arguably infinite it is not nearly as immediately powerful as something like a yeah. nuclear fusion or fission reaction right yeah so uh being able to sort of package that up and and get a ton of explosive or other energy is a is a good thing yeah. so i thought it was cool because i haven't heard anything about that in a long time yeah, I think that density there is the key part oh, yeah. there, uh, Tyler. You know, one of the things that uh, in, uh, I, on the side of solar that is always such a struggle there is just the square footage needed Absolutely. Uh, per the output. Uh, and that's something that, you know, even when they're looking at some of the advances on uh, being able to introduce uh, more kilowatts per hour uh, per square inch, um, mm -hmm. 
when we do that uh, comparison for other uh, ener- energy generation systems, yeah, it's really, really quite extraordinarily different. So, Oh, yeah. Well, and that's why I think that's one of the things that people miss a lot when it comes to nuclear power in general and why we're so pursuant of, you know, new ways to do it, new ways to build facilities around it. Keeping it safe is always a concern, right? Anything that is especially fissionable material tends to be highly radioactive and it doesn't clean up in in very short periods of time, right? But the energy density of stuff like uranium is uh, it's off the charts compared to everything else. So you think about the amount of energy you can produce, how relatively easy it is to actually produce it too. It's a it's well understood at this point, at least on the on the uh, fission sides, right? Splitting atoms. And that was another article that I saw too, is that, uh, and, and I always catch these, I'm always curious because uh, nuclear uh, fusion is sort of something that we've been pursuing for a very long time because it's even more energy dense and it's ridiculously abundant, right? Because the idea of fusion is taking hydrogen atoms and smashing them together. Hydrogen, very, very common in our uh, well, Earth specifically, but Everywhere. also I think in, in our, uh, yeah, yeah, basically that, right? The solar system has a ton of it. We, we have a ton of it here locally. So being able to take hydrogen, smash it together um, to produce a, a controlled explosion that we can actually take advantage of is, is huge. The problem with fusion is that, and I'm sure you've heard of this stuff, but the idea of cold fusion, being able to do it without, you know, the temperature of the sun basically in your test bed because that's actually precisely how the sun produces a lot of its energy is fusion um is difficult and so uh there's an article it was actually really cool google and a company called tae are actually teaming up to leverage artificial intelligence in pursuit of nuclear fusion because the way that we are getting close to it today has to do with very precise magnetic manipulation of plasmas basically suspended in magnetic fields so um, long story short, it's extremely difficult for anything non, uh, you know, computer, right, to keep up with the sheer volume of variables that go into play to actually make it work. So they're they're trying to get it to the point where something is probably taking advantage of machine learning and making adjustments to to very very tiny processes with lots and lots of variables um, fast enough to actually contain it if you will so that, i thought that was pretty exciting that's awesome yeah somewhat tangentially related oh and pete i just saw you drop another article in well let me get to that in just a second uh, there's a uh there was something on reddit technology that said uh, researchers teleport information between two microchips using quantum entanglement cool now I, it sounds super cool but it, it doesn't seem like it's as cool as it <laughs> they write it to be right and the quote in here i mean it it's it's neat that they're doing this but when you think about hey is teleportation real and we we able to actually do it that's it, not really what's happening so no. the quote in here he explains what's happening he says in our chip we can produce two photons that are in the entangled quantum state we can then send one photon one way and the other the other way they then function as a single system regardless of the distance between them now i'm curious about that Right. That, that's where I was trying to find what is the distance. He says, regardless of the distance, I don't know about that. And <laughs> well, he said, when you measure yeah. one photon, you change the common quantum state and thus determine the state of the other. In this way, we were able to use the entangled photon to transfer information from one chip to another. But 
No need to get mired down in the details there, Aaron. You know, it, <laughs> just stay excited about it on the surface. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Quantum entanglement is actually really fascinating, and I think I forgot more about that than I could even speak to right now. Um, but I, I had a professor, I want to say it was one of my adjuncts in college, that actually very elegantly described it. And I'm going to have to go dig that back up. But I think conceptually people get it. The problem is because it maintains that state over distance, um, you you have relativistic problems, right? And yeah. so quantum entanglement is sort of trying to understand how to not break relativity, um, but still be able to take advantage of it. it. It is pretty fascinating how it works out, at least mathematically, right? So the fact that they're doing this experimentally, even on a probably nanoscopic scale, is still pretty cool. Yeah, I'm waiting for the Willy Wonka. You know, <laughs> <laughs> let's let's uh, teleport a chocolate bar or uh, a person. Anyway, Pete, go ahead. You had something in here. Uh, yeah, this one was interesting and sort of a you know we, we just kind of uh, touched a little bit on, of course, the solar side of things. But uh, this is uh, uh, another article about um, you know using some of this new uh, technology to help do some of the work in better ways that simply humans are unable to do. And that's through the use of these full autonomous drones at sea in order to do some of the research that uh, research vessels normally do. Uh, And in particular, up in the Bering Sea. Uh, And so this is these, so these autonomous uh, sailboats are uh, keel-based boats. so cool. uh, Yeah, fully solar, fully autonomous. Uh, and they're going to count the fish. And, you know, really, it's a, I, I thought it was a great use of a combination of uh, technologies here. Yeah, they, these are really wild. cool looking as well. They basically look like uh, what? They don't look like a sailboat to me. They look more like a, um, what do you call those? The Like the sail surfboards? There's a word for that. I yeah, guess. yeah, yeah. Winds, wind sailing? Yeah, I think. Like, like a wind sail, something like that. Yeah. Uh, it, it, they're really cool. They're like this crazy orange. They're obviously covered in solar panels all over the place, and they, they look like they're outfit with a lot of sensors. They're cool looking. If For that alone, people should check this link out. Sail drones. Yeah, it looks like they have uh, 23 boats and they go out for a six week uh, period in order to do this. You know, and then the Straits of the Bering Sea is, is, you know, not exactly a place that (laughs) you have many volunteers wanting to just uh, go count fish. So, yeah. You know what else is really cool about that? I, I feel like sailing in general is daunting for a lot of people but i always thought it would be fascinating in fact i think i'd put it on my bucket list to to actually go do like a week at sea or something like that um but it would be really neat to have an autonomous sailboat that was just you know you and your family as an example and it took care of all of the a to b sort of stuff oh yeah and you just got to enjoy it yeah (laughs) it's a lot of work but without exactly without, but without someone else, right? Because I think that, yeah, that, that's I, I, perhaps a downside. Maybe that's an upside. I don't know. I guess it yeah. depends on how you do it. Anyways, I could see that being used for a lot more than counting fish too. It sounds pretty cool. I was quote unquote on a sailing team that we raced in. It's just there was a, one of my neighbors invited me. He was actually on it, and he just said, "Hey, come out and do all the grunt work and enjoy it." It's it's uh, it's amazing, but it's a lot of work. Very very cool. Oh yeah. And Tyler, if you ever go out with just your family into the ocean. Okay, uh, we watched Moana on Friday night again with my little <laughs> girls, and we learned the lesson of don't jump off of your boat if you're the only one on the boat. <laughs> I don't know That's if you remember a, it. Good lesson. Hey, hey, jumps out into the ocean. She jumps out <laughs> to save, and then 
uh, save the chicken and the the wind changes and the boat takes off and she nearly i think the ocean saves her uh, Sage advice. sorry spoiler yeah. alert yeah 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 geez ruining the movie man <laughs> you're welcome uh, that's good. You're right. okay. <laughs> uh, that's another uh, joke. all right pete what else you got man what are you thinking uh, of let's see well uh, why don't why you guys go up and then i have another one here uh coming up I saw a fun one, total shift away from uh, autonomous technology. I, I saw an article, um, I think it was Ars Technica, yeah, that talked about a new way to spy on conversations. And so some scientists, or <laughs> maybe not scientists, but somebody that gets it, uh, were able to use a, a photo sensor and a telescope to actually measure the micro changes on the surface of a light bulb and the way that it outputs light what? and they are able to clearly hear everything going on in a room from a distance as long as they have line of sight to that bulb wait wait what <laughs> hold on <laughs> really cool and it was funny too because at the end of the so article the sound, the sound is vibrating the filament in yep. the light bulb or would no you, not the filament it's just the surface of the light bulb it the looks like is what's bulb. actually happening and and it and it changes the output of that light obviously an incredibly sensitive light scale, have to be on? right? Uh, I believe the answer. Sorry, I got a lot of questions. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> I don't know that it explicitly stated it in the article, but I think I think that is the case, right? And so, I, I mean, I remember one of the things they brought up in the article, I remember hearing about this, where um, uh, they were using concentrated lasers on like windows to actually do sort of the same thing. So you could take lasers from a couple different directions and then the vibration of the glass, you would actually be able to pull out all of the conversation. So it's not like new, it's not necessarily a new problem. You know, if you're concerned about people hearing what you're saying, you better have dampeners on your glass windows and stuff like that. But it's still <laughs> pretty the, freaking Put the cool. tinfoil on the windows, that'll stop it. <laughs> Uh, what I do have a problem with, Tyler, is the fact that the article says a new and simple way to spy on yes, conversations. That's not simple by any means. <laughs> what are you, you talking know, about? You know what, though? Like, if you look through the article, it basically says a, a $400 laptop, not very expensive, a telescope, probably even just a low-end commercial telescope, and then a photo sensor, which you can get very inexpensively, is all you would need to actually set this up. <laughs> That's pretty cool. So it doesn't it take a lot it, of compute yeah. to get this done. You probably do it on a Raspberry Pi. <laughs> or you can just leave your iPhone in the room and turn on that <laughs> hearing aid thing and put your AirPods in and walk out of the room and you'll hear There everything. you go. Yes, or or not, right? <laughs> no, I'm just saying that was something that was on the internet recently as well. Oh, that's funny. Um, oh, did that, did that happen recently? That's funny. No, I don't know. I just, there, it was one of those. I, kind my of immediate thought was listening to boardroom conversations from a skyscraper across the street, right? Just being able to peer through a window <laughs> and record everything from a freaking light bulb. It's like, guys, God. we have no idea what's going on. Okay. Yeah. We're wasting our time here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Go ahead, um, Pete. I think we're running out of time here. All right. Uh, actually, this one is, is, is sort of a, a little bit on a lighter note here. I, not that I'm a huge follower of what they're doing in, with uh, TVs these days, but I see that, uh, of course, they've been debuting, debuting some new some new 8K uh, TVs out there. And, and it's not so much about the technology here that I'm fascinated by, but rather the implications of the technology in terms of uh, when you have such good quality now uh, on yeah. a on a broadcast event, let's say a sporting event, at what point does that uh, tip the scales in terms of going? 
you know, I don't want to go uh, to the stadium in order to see a sporting event. Uh, yeah. Actually, I have a better experience yeah. at home and with a thousand COVID. drones. Yeah. And <laughs> exactly. And that's, yeah. and that's sort so. of one of the interesting things about this is that, uh, you know, some of the unintended uh, consequences from this. Huh. Yeah, this is actually this is neat. It's massive scale 8K OLEDs, right? Pete, um, are you a are you a sports cool. fan? Like, do you do you watch stuff on TV? Uh, well, I did, yeah, I do. But once I dropped uh, cable, then of course that went down quite a bit. So yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. the only real reason to have it. That's the yeah. only thing that you want to watch real time. Everything else you just stream. Exactly. Well, I was going to get your take on this because. I do watch a lot of sports and I don't think Tyler watches any sports and he's got some crazy idea. We talked about this on one of the previous uh, episodes that having a thousand drones and then putting on a, a VR headset and be able to hop around between drones or stitch together imaging and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> My mind is just like hurting trying to imagine this experience. That'd be so much better than going to a stadium. Will you tell him that's too much? Tell him that's that's overkill. That, that might be too much the moment that you get a little bit of, of motion sickness and <laughs> nauseousness. Well, we talked about this too. They can add haptic feedback to your head and it will help oh. with motion sickness. We've discovered that as well. Yeah. No. <laughs> Technology will bridge the gap. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's going to be awesome. Um, um, I, I saw one, one little bit of news that I... I don't know. This it still blows my mind. Apparently, Apple is now worth one point five trillion dollars. Um, and what? I know it wasn't that long ago that it Just was the other day. Trillion yeah, they hit and one it was trillion. the first to get there. But that's exactly. It felt like a week ago we got to a trillion. Now it's worth one and a half times that. And um, I'm not going to lie. I did not get a chance to actually read the article. And I'm sure it talks about you know what is what is doing that. Oh, actually, it's. A short article so it might just be based on stock valuation but i'm wondering what what is driving the first company to cross that threshold how how did it grow 50 percent in such a short period of time right um is it just speculation especially given what else is going on in the market today or or is apple doing something that i'm not familiar with right now that's making them more valuable because i, I, I just don't see do, it Tyler. in iphones <laughs> i know what you need to do Tell me. John Nicholson, Friday. John Nicholson. Yeah. Ooh. Bring him on. We did make the same recommendation there. No, we we did actually get him, and by we I mean I, to uh, say he would gladly come back in for Financial Fridays for us. So we will have to do that. Maybe we will find perhaps next Friday. You listening, John? Next Friday, put it on your calendar. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's see here. What else we got? What do y'all see? Uh, I think we, we have time for like we, one more article and we got to shut down. We, I think we should touch on uh, Zoom and and yeah. what happened there because that's a lot of buzz, that. right? Yeah, I I, don't, I thought about the same thing too, but honestly, I, it's and maybe maybe the reason I didn't want to touch it is because we're kind of pressed for time today. But Zoom ha, has openly said that it basically listened to China, the government in China and shut down Zoom sessions uh, in the middle of those sessions. But, uh, and I guess it was related to Tiananmen Square, right? Which China obviously does a lot of censorship around. But what, uh, I think what got a lot of attention was some of the users that had their sessions ended and their accounts removed, at least in the first article I saw about this, were US-based citizens. Um, or, yeah. or at least U.S.-based people, whether they were Chinese yeah. citizens or not, and so it has it has gotten a lot of attention about whether or not censorship in that case is even kind of appropriate, uh, 
I think following local laws is is always touchy when it comes to stuff like this, censorship, uh, human rights, lots of things like that, right? If you want to do business in China, how do you not listen to the Chinese government? It's, it, it's, a, it's not just a cut and dry, easy, this is how I do it. But canceling accounts of people and shutting down sessions for people outside of China seems pretty aggressive. And I totally understand the sort of social backlash against Zoom for that activity, right? Yeah. When they, they apologized and saying, hey, sorry, we listened in and we shut down these calls and accounts. Moving forward, uh, it said, we will not allow requests from the Chinese government to impact anyone outside of mainland China. Mm. Therefore, indicating that they're still going to assist the Chinese government sure. on cracking down on dissent within the country. Which I, I don't so. think surprises me. I think it makes me sad, right? Like I, I want to see tech giants saying, well, you know, screw you, this is wrong and stand up. But at the same time, do you really give up the Chinese market? Man, we've like, we've <laughs> talked about a lot of these things. Like uh, there's something more than just the Chinese market. It feels like in my mind. What's going well, on? Well, yeah, I, I think, I think the Chinese government has a lot more same, control than they yeah. should. Right. That's, it's not, uh, they, they are very openly, I think, trying to exert control over non-Chinese sovereign sort of technology spaces. And I think that's what makes me uncomfortable. Um, and I, I want to see, I don't want to see a sorry we did this in retrospect, it was a bad idea. I want to see, yeah, no kidding, it was a bad idea. And we said, no, screw you. <laughs> they, should, they should be publicly saying, hey, the Chinese government is asking us to do these things that are wrong, and I'm just going to report on that, right? That's my opinion there. Well, now that we touched on a landmine that we probably <laughs> should talk about more, that's the end of our time here. Pete, you got anything else or anything you want to plug before Tyler shuts it down? No, I think uh, I, I think that's pretty much it for the week. Yeah. Mr. Keeler, it was a pleasure having you on the show. Um, uh, always, always fun to, to chat with you. It's been too long for me personally, but uh, I certainly enjoyed it. I hope you did too. And, I, and that brings another episode of the Tech Breakfast podcast to a close, y'all. We hope everyone enjoyed it as much as we did. As always, if you got news we missed, general feedback, or you want to join us for a recording, hit us up. Let us know. Thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. And we will talk to you tomorrow. Peace. Uh, thanks, guys.